Hello, it's Kat Chatfield here. Before we get into our latest wellbeing podcast, which I think you will find fascinating, I wanted to ask a favour. We feel like we haven't got to know you, our audience, well enough. So we've put together a quick survey to ask you some broad questions about yourself, like where you are and what kind of medicine you practice. We're just using this to help us create podcasts that are tailored especially for you. And you can let us know what you'd like to hear more or less of as well. We'd be really grateful if you could help us out. There are links in the show notes. Okay, now back to the pod. Hello, welcome to this BMJ podcast about well-being, sponsored by Medical Protection. I'm Abby Rimmer, careers editor at the BMJ, with an interest in doctors' well-being. And I'm Kat Chatfield, a trained GP with an interest in quality improvement and patient safety. Abby and I co-lead the BMJ's campaign on well-being, which is especially important for healthcare professionals during this COVID-19 pandemic. And today we're going to be talking to a paediatrician who helps support children and families to manage screen time addiction. So Abby, I am completely fascinated by this topic. I think um, those of us who spend all day staring at a computer are very aware of how much screen time we have and yet somehow when we stop staring at the computer for work I still can't manage to stop myself picking up my mobile phone um, and I don't know why that is. I know Kat and I think so many I mean adults and, and young people but adult I don't have kids myself and I, I know lots of adults who probably can't put their phones down I know I can't. I think we had a recommendation earlier in one of our other podcasts to um use that feature on your phone that tells you how much you've looked at your phone that day which I have I have to be honest I haven't done because I think I probably would be slightly shocked how much time I spend you know if I turn off my computer I'll still look at Twitter on my phone I had to delete Instagram because I looked at it too much so yeah this was this is going to be a really interesting discussion Absolutely. And, and we have talked before, I think we've touched on in other podcasts that certainly when I was unwell, um, kind of with my mental health, I found that I did have to take myself off social media completely, you know, no no Facebook, no, no Twitter or anything like that. Uh, and I do feel that that has stood me in good stead, although it's amazing how many other sources of mindless time wasting one can find on the internet or even just kind of you know reflexive reflexive checking um for messages or updates which which feels can feel very intrusive um on your your personal life and your time that you want to be spending on other things hello abby hi cat thank you for having me on your podcast i'm nidhi gupta i'm a pediatric endocrinologist in nashville tennessee over the last couple of years, I have been working on a research project that is very close to my heart. It started as a research project to look at wireless mobile device addiction, but since then it has evolved into an educational platform. So in our research, we intentionally choose not to call the devices smart. We don't want to put them on a pedestal by calling them smart. We call them exactly what they are. They are wireless, they are portable, and they have internet capabilities. That's it. And Nidhi, I think some of part of some of your work, you've looked at the neurobiology of addiction, which I'm even struggling to say, which will show you how much how little I know about it. But could you tell us a bit about what it is? So while this might seem to be normal behavior these days, there is profound neuroscience that underlies the habit loop. I call it the dopamine loop of cue, craving, 
response and reward. So a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists have, who have studied addiction medicine for a long time and are now noticing very similar behavior patterns in people who are addicted to wireless mobile devices. The addiction to wireless mobile devices is recent, but addiction to internet and video games is not. That has been there for about 20 or even more years. So a lot of extrapolation that dopamine is involved in this process, dopamine causes craving, is coming from the data, from the research that we have learned about internet addiction, about video gaming addiction. The easy access to internet, the constant stimulation, the constant unexpectedness of what the internet is there to offer is what makes this even more complicated. In the past, TV screens were an issue, but TV screens were limited to the walls of the living room. Now, screens have literally been transplanted from the walls of the living room into the palms of teenagers, toddlers, infants, and even adults. So we have to take a leaf from what we have learned about addiction medicine, internet addiction, video gaming addiction, and see how that can apply to wireless mobile device addiction and how we can use the time-tested strategies that psychologists and psychiatrists have used for treatment of substance abuse towards breaking the dopamine trigger loop. Thank you, that's that's really uh, clear. And I'm really interested in that kind of um, sort of loop that you set up. I'm gonna guess it wrong now, but sort of you said the cue, and then what, what was the next the, thing, Nadine? The craving, the response, the and the reward. Mm. I know that quite often when we're trying to influence a behaviour that we don't like that we have, so it might be overeating, you know, reaching for the biscuit tin when we're stressed or, you know, reaching for the caffeine, for example, when we're feeling tired or reaching for our phone, even though we know it's not good for us. Um, sometimes we often rely on willpower to help us with that. But it sounds like with the kind of cue aspect of it, there's quite a lot going on in our environment that might be triggering us to sort of get into this behavioral loop and I know that maybe something you want to talk about later but I'm just interested if you could talk a bit more about cues and how we might look at those or think about those. Absolutely so we often think about motivation and control around foods that we should not eat I think motivation is overrated environment matters more out of sight out of mind is what I generally go by so let's talk about how does this habit loop of apply to our wireless mobile devices. So dopamine is released in the brain in response to any reward-related cue. Dopamine makes us want things. So any ding, buzz, shine from our devices is a cue for the release of dopamine. So each of these cues leads to a very short pulse of dopamine in our brain that leads to the second step of the habit loop, an intense craving to check the device. And then, as if we are on an autopilot mode, we reach for the device. That is our very subconscious response to the craving of dopamine. We read the message or the text or the email. We feel contentment. We feel rewarded. We feel relieved and soothing the craving. So that is our reward. This is the habit loop of cue, 
craving, response, and reward. When we repeat this cycle over and over again, our brain becomes conditioned to associate the positive reward with the cue of the notification. So then what happens next? Every time there is a cue, dopamine release, we check. Cue, dopamine release, check. Now, unfortunately, things have gotten so bad that now, even if there is no notification on our device, we still want to check, just in case there is something we missed. There is this unsettling feeling of FOMO, fear of missing out. Did I miss a message? Did I miss an email? Let me refresh my screen just in case there is something. And then we find something and then our brain tells us, see, I told you there was something. So dopamine kind of gets justified and we get pulled into this vicious cycle of check, check, check all day, all night. We'll talk about that more in a bit, but here's a message from our sponsor. At Medical Protection, we know how challenging recent times have been for all medical practitioners. And as they work tirelessly to look after others, we wanted to help our members focus on their own physical, mental and emotional well-being. So we've partnered with ICAS International to provide a confidential one-to-one counselling service, offering support for issues such as stress, burnout, anxiety and conflict. Members can also access a wellness app to help monitor, measure and promote balanced healthy living, as well as a host of handy podcasts and webinars. Our wellbeing program is just one of many reasons for doctors to choose medical protection. To find out more about membership, which also includes comprehensive protection, advice and risk prevention support, visit medicalprotection.org. You're going to feel like you've just answered this. But I guess the question is, why is that not good for us? Because I suppose some people might say, well, you know, I'm not drinking alcohol or I'm not eating too many calories. I'm just checking my phone because I want to see if I've got a message. That's not that's not harming me or anyone else. So that brings us, Abby, to a very important question of how is our well-being associated with our dependency or our addiction to wireless mobile devices. And we came up with a theory that we call the escape displays theory. Now, as pediatricians and even as parents, a lot of us are aware of time-based screen time guidelines, you know, where they say no more than two hours per day of screen time outside of schoolwork. And there have been multiple versions of those guidelines over the years. The issue is not of how much time is being spent on the devices, but the issue is what else should have happened during that time that the wireless mobile devices did not let happen. Now, let's say if you are um, given a choice between prepare a PowerPoint presentation versus scroll social media, right? What would you choose? If the choice is Exercise, put your body through some discomfort with exercise versus curl up on the couch because we are always so tired, right? If the choice is document a note, a patient's note in electronic medical record versus just get a quick escape and doom scroll the internet for a little bit. So we often tend to escape from essential activities. We tend to displace those things because our devices are right there to enable us to do that. 
So, so Nidhi, listening to you describe these behaviours, um, it sort of sounds like me growing up, but with a book instead of a smartphone, you know, and the breakfast table whilst walking out to the car on the way to school, you know, break times at school. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends, um, you know, but, but what is it about this kind of dependency or this very intense relationship with with smartphones rather than, say, a book um, or, you know, a musical instrument or a, a piece of music that that is quite so harmful to our health? I think the answer to that is the unexpected content that we get from the internet, the constant anticipation of what am I going to get next? What am I going to get next? That is what keeps us hooked. So dopamine, we talked about it as a reward hormone. Now it has become the anticipation hormone. So we release dopamine in anticipation of something new, something exciting. That does not typically happen with a book. We often tend to binge read books as well. I read the whole Harry Potter series probably in two days. Um, and that was binge reading. And I was reading it because I was probably releasing dopamine in anticipation of what is going to happen next, what is going to happen next. But once you have read the book, you have put it aside, you are done with it. You don't carry it with you everywhere, every time, all the time. You don't take it to bed with you. Well, sometimes you would, but you would eventually go to bed, right? I like to think of devices as tools, right? Like a butter knife. You use a butter knife to cut butter and then you put it back. You don't carry it around with you at all day, right? So why, why don't we do the same thing with our devices? When we reach for our device, we should aim to have a certain goal that, okay, I'm picking up my device because I need to text so-and-so. Once I have texted so-and-so, that's it. The purpose of that tool is over and the tool goes right back into its place. We have to be mindful that we do not get sucked into the rabbit hole of virtual reality, that we do not get distracted by the notifications that are on the screen. And in the process of answering those notifications, we often forget, why did I pick my device in the first place? What, what, what was it that I was going to do? And then we have to start all over again. Thank you, Nitty. I think that's a really, really helpful way of looking at it. Not, you know, how much time are we spending on these wireless mobile devices, but what what are we missing out on when we use our time in that way? And and certainly, you know, I sometimes catch myself looking at my phone when I should be paying attention to my children. And, you know, it's a horrible feeling, you know, I feel. And, and out of the two, I know which one of those is, is more ultimately rewarding. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, I don't know why my brain isn't programmed to give me more of a dopamine hit when I'm hanging out with the children and less when I'm looking at my phone. Um, so I, I think many of our listeners will, will resonate with this and think, yes, I recognise these behaviours, I recognise this habit loop. Um, so what can I what can I do to, to change it? What can I do to improve the amount of time I have available that's not spent on a wireless mobile, mobile device? So the first step is to figure out, are, is your relationship with your devices normal or is it overuse? Or is it dependency or addiction? Well, to help tease that out, there are multiple questionnaires that have been developed. 
In our research, we looked at a lot of them and we analyzed them and we came up with two questionnaires that we think really help us analyze our relationship. The first one was developed by Dr. David Greenfield, who is a psychiatrist at the University of Connecticut. His questionnaire is called the Smartphone Compulsion Test. And honestly, if I had to take that questionnaire two years ago, I would have probably said yes to all of them. <laughs> so, so we are all struggling with this. It is a challenge for everybody. Then the second questionnaire was developed by researchers in Korea, and that has 10 statements. And you can either agree, neutral, disagree with each of the statements and it gives you a score. So I would encourage everybody to take the questionnaires. And if you're not sure where to access the questionnaires, on our educational platform website, freedom.net, we have these questionnaires available. You can find your score. You can find a potential interpretation of that score. Is your behavior normal? Is it leading towards problematic use? Should you consider seeing a counselor? Are those sort of um, validated diagnostic tools that can diagnose, you know, ICD-10 or you know, DSM sort of addiction to a mobile device or are they sort of um, things readers can use to just help them reflect and um, understand their relationship with their with their devices? Absolutely. Great question. They don't necessarily diagnose wireless mobile device addiction, but those are to give the treating clinician uh, a sort of a framework to work with to identify that a particular individual might be at risk for this behavior and it would be helpful for that individual to get help before things go completely out of hand. More on that after this. As a doctor always on the go, you need quick access to accurate evidence-based clinical recommendations you can trust. UpToDate is a continuously updated clinical decision support resource that helps you find answers to your medical questions. Benefit from access to more than 12,000 clinical topics across more than 25 specialities with more than 9,500 graded expert recommendations at your fingertips. Join the growing network of over 2 million medical professionals worldwide who rely on UpToDate. Visit go.uptodate.com slash wellbeing. That's go.uptodate.com slash wellbeing and use promo code wellbeing to save 25 US dollars on your annual or longer subscription. Thank you, Nidhi. I could definitely... A lot of those statements resonated with me, worryingly. So I think I ought to take take the survey. When one has taken a questionnaire or, you know, reflected or however you want to do it, whether you want to do a questionnaire or journal or just kind of monitor using many of the apps available, how much screen time you've had or how often you pick up your mobile phone or other wireless mobile device um, and found that your behaviour is kind of leaning towards overuse or or even dependency or, or addiction. So once you've identified that and identified this as a, a goal for a behaviour you want to change, where would you recommend people start with taking steps towards changing that behaviour? Right away, right away. There is no time to lose. There is so much work <laughs> that needs to be done. Once you have made that realisation, once you have that insight that something is not right and that... Um, my relationship with my device is not healthy, we need to start right away. And there are two approaches to start there that I would recommend. The first one is 
we talked about escape displaced theory. So we need to transform the theory of escape displaced to engage replace. The things that we were escaping from, we need to mindfully engage with them. The activities that we are displacing in our daily routine, we need to mindfully replace those activities back into our daily routine. And the second approach is to break the habit loop, the dopamine loop of cue, craving, response, and reward. What are some real life strategies that we can put in place? So here is what I suggest. The next time we reach for our device, we should pause and think, am I picking up my device because I'm trying to escape or displace a boring task at hand? Am I simply procrastinating? If the answer is yes, great, you have a really good insight into your behavior. That is victory number one, right? So then you pause the subconscious response of reaching for your device. Do not feel guilty. Free yourself of any judgment. Remember, you're not the only one who is struggling with this. The whole world is with you in this struggle, right? So then you reward yourself for being mindful of this reflex. And then you engage actively with the task in front of you or the person in front of you. So we have to realize that our connection with our devices is super strong. Therefore, any approach to disconnect from them will need to be equally strong, equally resilient, and very mindful. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. So then I think the question becomes then, you mentioned, Nidhi, that when we when we pause and we interrupt that subconscious reflex, we're, we're sort of, I guess, changing the pathway and what's happening, changing the kind of actions of the dopamine but you know how, how does that impact on this habit loop and how can we address that more directly yes can that's a challenging question that's a tough one to break the habit loop a person needs to make certain changes in their environment and i like to think of it as out of sight out of mind. At least that is what I do with my children. When I don't want them asking for candy, I hide the candy in the topmost cabinet of the kitchen. They don't see it. They don't remember it. They don't ask for it. Story over, right? So with the habit loop, what I would suggest is the listeners, I would like to direct them to a highly acclaimed book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I'm taking a leaf here from this, from his book, where he suggests that in order to break the habit loop, we need to do four things. The first one is delete the cue. The cue is the excessive notification on your device. So delete the cue. The second step, damp the craving, the dopamine craving. The third is weaken the response. The response is to reach for the device and you can weaken the response by making the device hard to reach. And the fourth step is dull the reward. We have to try and make our devices boring and unenticing so that we are not constantly pulled towards them. We've got to make them very, very dull. Well, how, how do you make your device more dull if you've got sort of, I don't know, social media apps and, and other things on there that you enjoy using? So I recommend turning off notifications for majority of the apps except the most essential ones. Now you get to decide 
what is an essential app for you. You get to decide what you need and what you want. I, I hope I can inspire listeners to find the balance between what they need and what they want. There is a difference there. Right? Then turn off the badges, especially for emails. You know what badges are? The red icon that tells you you have 135 unread emails. Right? Those red badges are very attention grabbing. They need to go. I also organize apps in such a way that the most important ones are on the first home screen and the least important ones are on the last home screen. So social media, gaming, shopping, all of that goes to the last home page. That is if you must keep social media apps. So going back to your question, Abby, how do we make our devices boring when we have social media in there? I recommend to my patients, please consider deleting social media applications. I'm not recommending deleting social media accounts, just the applications. Use a web browser to access social media instead of an app. Browsers are way more clunky and less easily accessible, right? So we need to make the, the time-consuming content harder to reach. That is how we make it boring. And in all of this process, I highly recommend that we keep our phones and voicemails on ringer so that people can reach us in case of urgent situations. So these are some very basic strategies that apply to everyone. More on that after this. Some of life's most important questions are about health. And when people think about healthcare, they think about doctors, scans, tests, and treatments. At Siemens Health & Ears, we think about those too. With about 70% of clinical decisions based on laboratory test results, staying on top of the latest advances in clinical chemistry is essential to providing the best care. This November, Siemens Health & Ears has free online educational sessions to help you learn about relevant advances in clinical diagnostics. Register for free today to explore sessions featuring new research and innovations in cardiac care, blood diseases, and AI, and create an agenda for live streaming events. Visit siemens-healthandears.com slash euromedlab or Google Siemens Health & Ears Euromedlab. We pioneer breakthroughs in healthcare for everyone, everywhere. Thank you. That that's really, really, really interesting in terms of those practical things that you can do, and you know they they don't sound too difficult, do they? Um, one of the things that I find particularly challenging, and I, I don't know if this will resonate with readers, is that I find that um, my phone or my devices are also a tool to help me with my well-being. So I obviously have these negative aspects, but um, I also use. A meditation app um, which I particularly like to use when I'm going to sleep because it helps me with anxiety um, and I use a kind of um, you know running app which which kind of um, you know helps me to sort of do running training and, and sort of motivate me to, to get out and, and do that. Um, so how do you do you have any advice on how you kind of can maximize the benefits that that this these mobile technologies can bring us um, whilst minimizing the harms that sounds like a really impossible question <laughs> that is very impossible cat but we have to try right we have to try it would be illogical for us to think that 
we can survive in the modern digitalized era without our devices. That would be impractical. So the goal is not to completely abstain from using our devices. The goal is not to throw our smart devices out the window and go back to using a flip phone. No, I, I can't do that myself. I need my devices. I need them to organize my life and my kids' life and to, to make work happen. So the goal is to aim for moderation and balance. So whenever anybody asks me a situation like this, I always direct them back to the escape displays theory. So if you think you absolutely must use your device in a given situation, run it through the escape displays detector. Should you be doing something else at this time that your device is not letting you do, that your device is making you escape from? If not, well, then you are in a good space. If it helps you keep up with your health and well-being, absolutely, I, I would totally recommend using it as long as the boundaries between life and technology do not blur. Thank you. That's, that's uh, very reassuring. <laughs> Following on from Kat's point, I was just thinking about my recent experience of interacting with the health service in the UK Um so I'm pregnant, for example, and all of my maternity notes are now kept on an app, which I have on my smartphone. And we've also all been encouraged here, I think, in the in the UK to, to download the NHS app so that we can show that we have our um, COVID vaccination status and you can now access all your patient records on the app. And I, I think it's great, obviously, that um, the healthcare system is, is sort of trying to be modern and, and use these kinds of things. But is, is there a time and a place for them and should clinicians also be aware of how much they're asking patients to use sort of applications on their mobile um, wireless devices and, and is there a balance to be made there? Yes, I think there is balance to be made in that healthcare setting as well. The devices are present everywhere. There are tons of medical applications, especially those for electronic medical records. And with those, the 21st century physician is always reachable, right? We have always struggled with work-life balance, but now those boundaries have blurred even more. So wireless mobile device use in healthcare presents both opportunities and challenges. The opportunities are the patients have easy access to their information. In the good old times, the patients would need to call the medical record department and then wait for several weeks to get paper records to figure out what the doctor said in their notes or what the recommendations were. Now everything is available very easily through your devices. So that is a good opportunity. The opportunity is good for clinicians as well, because if there is an urgent lab that we need to look at, an urgent issue that we need to answer, it is very easy to do it. It goes back to the point of balance. Where do we strike the balance? So that the work-life balance that we as clinicians have always struggled with, it doesn't become worse because of technology. The technology is meant to work for us. It should not make things harder for us. I've learned so much for you, Nidhi. I feel almost sort of um, envious of young people who, who kind of learn this earlier in life, sort of as someone who grew up without social media and then it came into my life. I now wish you'd kind of, we'd kind of been better prepared for it. But it's, it's been really fascinating. 
I think that's true at one point, Abby. But I think, however, sort of the challenge for for teens and adolescents at the moment to to kind of grow up within that, oh, of that course. context is, yeah. is pretty overwhelming. And for, yeah, and for parents, I'm sure, for parents as well. Well, Kat, I thought that was a really interesting discussion. As I said, I think I I learned a lot. I especially like Nidhi's point about thinking about what you're not doing in life when you are spending time on your mobile wireless device. And that really resonated with me. I definitely use my mobile phone and look at Twitter, for example, when I could be doing much more useful things. So I thought, although it's a, a very simple statement and seems very kind of like common sense, actually, when you stop and think about it, it does make you reevaluate what you're using your device for and why. Absolutely. That kind of displacement um, escape kind of idea I found really, really helpful. And, and just that thought about introducing that pause about, you know, doing something consciously rather than subconsciously, which enables you to really think, oh, is this something that I want to be doing? Is this serving me? You know, or, or what could I be doing instead? I, thought that, I found that really useful as, as well. I also I also really liked a couple of other points. I thought the bread knife, you know, seeing, you know, your, your device as a, as a tool that you're using for a purpose rather than something you're kind of using all the time, I thought was a really nice way of thinking about not a bread knife, a butter knife, but um, same difference. And also her point that you, that we often have quite intense relationships with our wireless mobile devices. You know, we don't often leave the house without them. We feel nervous if they're not with us. And I thought that was a, a really good point. I mean, I personally try and leave my phone at home if I don't need it, if I'm walking the dog, for example. But but then there's also the worry of, well, if I don't have it, what might happen? Um, and that cycle is quite hard to break. So I thought um, that was a really interesting point. Yeah, well, I mean, I must confess that for about the last two years my mobile phone doesn't work very well and it almost very frequently disconnects itself from any mobile data um, and leaves me completely uncontactable and I have to essentially open it take out the sim card and put it back in again in order to reconnect it and my family are constantly nagging me and saying well why don't you you know fix it Um, and actually I love it because it means that it only really is functional when I choose it to be functional. And I could just, of course, turn it on and off. Um, but somehow this kind of um, serendipity of like, oh, it's not working. I can't do anything on it. I can't check anything. No one can contact me. Uh, I rather like. So that says something strange about my motivation and, and coping mechanisms. Um, but there is something there, I think, for me to learn about um, how I might want my relationship with my device to be. And it's definitely not a, a constant one. Um, yeah, I think yeah. you found the perfect solution there, actually, Kat. I think <laughs> we, should, we should all <laughs> break our devices. Absolutely. Invest in dodgy, dodgy secondhand uh, mobile devices that no one else wants. It's, it's uh, <laughs> environmentally sustainable and psychologically healthy. So uh, there we go. Well, well, I think that's a really good point to finish on. Um, so thank you ever so much to our guest, um, Nipti Gupta, for joining us on the podcast. And you can check us out on social media if you dare. Uh, we're at BMJ underscore latest on Twitter, uh, access via your browser, not an app on your mobile device. Uh, or you can join the BMJ Wellbeing Group on Facebook. Or you can write to us at BMA House, or you can email us. Uh, um, different old fashioned ways of getting in touch. Um, we'd love to hear your ideas for what we should cover in future episodes. So until next time, it's goodbye from us. Bye. Bye.